ask two moms to share, two mothers, to bless us today. And uh, Brenda Vogel will be the first to share. Brenda's been married 42 years to Roger. Come on up here, Brenda. And um, she has two children, eight grandchildren. She was an administrative pastor for 20 years with the Foursquare denomination before retiring. And she is a blessing because anybody that knows Roger knows Brenda has had to help him toe the line. And then after Brenda speaks, Stacy O'Brien will come up to share. And Stacy's been married to Sean 23 years. Pray for Sean. Uh, they have four children, ages 10 to 21. And she actually teaches at Livingstone Homeschool Academy Art there all the, for all the grades. So she'll come up immediately following uh, Brenda to share. But would you just welcome Brenda as she shares? Good morning and happy Mother's Day. Pastor asked me if I would talk to you a little bit on the um, precept of being a grandmother. So I get the privilege of talking to you about being a grandmother, and then Stacy gets the privilege of speaking about being a mother. So I thought I would just share with you a few lessons that I've learned as a grandmother. And the very first one is unconditional love. And there's a scripture in Psalms 103, 17 through 18 that says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Now, I don't know, I know several of you are grandparents, but I don't know if you really can understand the love of a grandmother until you've become one. And when we became a grandmother, it was 20, almost 22 years ago, and our first granddaughter, we just coddled over and loved, and she could do no wrong. She was just that little precious thing, and, and two years later, then another grandchild came along. And I remember Roger coming to me and saying, I don't know that I can have as much love for this second one. I just don't think there's enough love because I just don't know how I can love any more than I love my first one. But God provides. And so we now have eight. They all have different gifts. They all have different personalities. And we all love them just all the same. We have to say that. You know that. You have to love them all the same. You're my favorite Maddie. You're my favorite Lizzie. You're my favorite. You just, you have to love them all the same. Um, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about God's unconditional love because we are the first impression that our children and, and grandchildren see the love that God has for them, that love that's everlasting, that love that's unconditional, so that even when they do things that are wrong, we still love them, just like God still loves us when we do wrong. Now, of course... You know, we have to realize that, you know, there's still responsibilities and there's still things that God expects from us. You know, when, when my kids were, or my grandkids were little, and I've got some of them right now, we've got a set of twins that are five and we have one that's three. So they're the ones that we have the newest memories of. But I think they all learned the same thing at daycare because they would come over and the first thing that they would say when they come in is, you're my best friend. Do you know how that makes you feel? 
Oh, it's like, oh, I'm their best friend. That's so exciting. And then 10 minutes later, one of them would do something wrong, and you would correct him, and they'd go, you're not my best friend anymore. But you know what? We're not called to be their best friend. We are called to love them enough to keep them from any kind of hurt. So we are there to create boundaries. And so just like God creates boundaries in our life, we create boundaries for them. If we see them going to the stove and they're going to burn themselves or running out in the road, we do whatever we can to stop them from doing that. Well, it's the same thing even when they grow up. You know, they still have their own free will, but it's our responsibility to teach them that, the best thing that they can do is use the word of God as their guide. And so we need to teach them. It says in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now the world's going to tell them that the truth is completely different. So that's why it's so important that we teach them that the truth is what they find in scripture. The truth is what God tells us to do. And sometimes that's a little hard, especially when they get their own free will and they start doing things that we know is wrong. But we love them so much that we tell them the truth. And sometimes that makes them angry at us. But that's okay. Because we want them to have everything that God has for them. And we want them to be able to be blessed by God. So God's going to love them regardless, just like we're going to love them regardless. But we need to be, love them enough to tell them the truth. So that's the first lesson. The second lesson that I've learned is every moment is a teaching opportunity. Now, you know that you have to be so careful of what you say or do. Because we have little eyes that are watching us. And if you look at families and you look down the generation, lots of times you'll see similar mannerisms, the things that they do, the things that they say, the way they walk. You'll see different things that they've gotten from their family. In Roger's family, there's six kids. And they all have a different variation of a laugh. And every single one of them is different, but every single one of them is equally loud and equally annoying <laughs> to those of us who love them. <laughs> so um, we went to, <laughs> when Roger's family, when his mother was in the hospital in Indianapolis, all six of them were in the hospital, and they were in the waiting room, and they were talking and, about their mother and how much they loved her and all the different things about her. And then they started laughing. Well, his oldest sister, she has kind of this shotgun like, <laughs> but we love it. And we love him because if I can't find him, I just have to wait for him to laugh. And then it's like, oh, there he is. I'll go find him. But anyway, I wanted to show you a video because our grandkids love to mock him. And they don't do it in a rude way. They were just, I'll show you, they we're showing you pictures of some little babies. But they just love to mock his laugh because it means something to them. And we need to teach our children to laugh. And that's important, even if it's sometimes that they're laughing at us. So if you guys could show that first video.
also laugh with them. It, 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 it really does make a difference. They love their grandpa. He plays with them and laughs with them. But they pick up all kinds of stuff. Some things are very, very nice and very good. So like our grandkids now, if we're sick, they'll lay their hands on us and pray for us. Nothing makes you more excited that you know that the love of God is reaching down to them. But they also do things like, um, I have this habit, and you guys, I'm not perfect, just so you know, and it's not a big habit, but I like to dip potato chips in soda. Weird, I know. But I like to take my chip and just dip it in the soda, and if it has those little pockets in it, that's even better because it fills full of soda. Well, my granddaughter saw me doing that one day. She's five. So now every time she comes over, Grandma, can I have some chips and soda? And she dips her chip in her soda. And also, they like to watch their grandpa drink coffee. Well, we don't want them to have coffee for obvious reasons. They've got enough hyperness without giving them extra. But we've created kids' coffee. And so kids' coffee is hot chocolate. But the first thing they do when they come over is they want kids' coffee so they can sit and drink their hot chocolate. But they watch us, and they know what we do. We had, I had, um, my grandmother lived with us for a while. My grandmother was a great influence on me as far as she taught me how to host, she taught me how to cook, she taught me things like that, but she wasn't saved. So she, I didn't get that opportunity with her. But then when she turned 82, I think, we had the privilege of taking her to a Heaven's Gates House Flames. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that, but it's a big production that's evangelistic that has all these different stories. And some people go to heaven and some people go to hell. Well, she came up for salvation at 82 years old. So I had the privilege of watching that. But she asked me, every Monday I had a day off from work. So every Monday I would chisel out a certain part of the day, and I would always go to see my grandmother. And she knew that Mondays was her day, so if there was something she needed done, I would do it on that day. Well, I went to see her one day, and she said, I want you to baptize me. So she gave me the privilege. She wasn't able to leave the house, and she was attached to oxygen, so we went in the bathroom, and I was able to baptize her in the bathroom. But, you know, it was an amazing privilege that, you know, we don't realize how those relationships abound. You know, we don't realize how many people that we influence or how they influence us. So that was a great privilege. But when she lived with us, Maddie, our oldest, and Lizzie, who at the time was probably two, they would go in the bedroom and they would sit on the bed with my grandmother. And they would put their hands on her and they would pray for her. Our Maddie would take a book and she would pretend like she was reading the story. And my grandma would just sit there and just watch her. She was so excited. You know, they've learned that things from us. And those are the things that we need to teach them. We need to teach them to be um, respectful of people who are older, to love them so that when we get old, they'll do the same thing for us. So we just need to teach them that respect. And how we respond to people who are different as far as, um, let's say, um, there's been so much stuff going on on Facebook. You have so many people's opinions, and it's so hard to not give your opinion. But may I ask you, please don't give your opinion. 
because all it does is causes division. And we don't want our grandkids to see that. And plus, too, now they have a digital footprint. So they can print that out and use it against you someday. So just be real careful that you just be real careful how you treat other people. And they love to embarrass us. They don't do it on purpose. They're just honest, and they just, that's the way they are at life. I remember one time we went to a restaurant, and we're all sitting around the table. And Lizzie, she goes, hey, Billy, you want a piece of gum? And my daughter looked at me, and she said, Brenda, did you, our grandma, mom, did you give her gum? I said, no, I know we're getting ready to eat. I didn't give her gum. She goes, well, there's all kinds of it. And she pulled it off the bottom of the table and put it in her mouth. So that's, <laughs> it was real interesting. Another time we went to Applebee's, a different place, just right here in Lafayette. I think they've banned us now. So we went to the Lafayette here and um, Applebee's, and there was five of us. We had three grandkids with us. And Roger and Lizzie went to the car. And so Billy and I decided we needed to use the restroom before we left. So he says, well, Grandma, I'll take Mikey, who at the time was three. So he took Mikey's hand, took him in the restroom. I went in the women's. I come walking out of the women's bathroom, and I see Mikey with his pants all the way down to his ankles going, Nana, Gaga, help! He didn't know how to pull his pants up. And he came out into the restroom, into the bar, and was running around with his pants down. One very proud grandma moment. But I'm going to show you a little video, too. My little guy, Cade, is quite a talker. He loves to communicate and does it quite well. He talks to people constantly, whether we're in the library. Hello. At the playground. How's it going? Or even at church. I'm Cade. People often comment on how clearly he speaks for a just-turned-three-year-old. But there have been several embarrassing times that I've wished the meaning of his words would have been masked by a little less interpretable or not-so-audible voice. But never have I wished this more than last week at the store. Halfway through our shopping trip, nature called. So I took Cade with me into the bathroom. If you had been one of the ladies in the restroom that day, this is what you would have heard from the second to the last stall. Mommy, are you gonna go potty? Oh, why are you putting toilet paper on the potty, Mommy? Oh, are you gonna sit down on the toilet paper now? Mommy, are you gonna go stinkies on the potty? At this point, I started mentally counting how many women had been in the bathroom when I walked in. Several stalls were full. Four, five, I, I don't know. Maybe we could wait until they were all out before I had to make my debut out of this stall and reveal my identity. Cade continued. Mommy, you are going stinkies, aren't you? Oh, that's a good girl, Mommy. Are you gonna get some candy for going stinkies on the potty? Let me see those stinkies, Mommy. Oh, I see them. You are gonna get some candy. I heard a few faint chuckles coming from the stalls on either side of me. Where is a screaming newborn when you need her? Good grief, this was really getting embarrassing. I was definitely waiting a good long while before exiting. Trying to divert him, I said, 
Why don't you look in Mommy's purse and see if you can find some candy? We'll both have some. No, I'm trying to see those more stinkies. Oh, Mommy. He started to gag at this point. I think I'm going to throw up. Mommy, those stinkies are making me throw up. As the gags became louder, so did the chuckles outside my stall. <laughs> I quickly flushed the toilet in hopes of changing the subject. I began to reason with myself. Okay, there are four other toilets, so if I count four flushes, I can be reasonably assured that those who overheard this embarrassing monologue will be long gone. I bent down to count the feet outside my door. Are you looking under there, Mommy? You looking at the lady's feet? <laughs> More laughter. I stood inside the locked door and tried to assess the situation. Mommy, it's time to wash your hands now. We have to go out now, Mommy. He started pounding on the door. Mommy, don't you want to wash your hands? I want to go out. I saw that my wait him out plan was quickly unraveling. As I sheepishly opened the door and found an open sink, I thought, where was the fine print on the motherhood contract where I signed away every bit of my privacy? But as my little boy gave me a big cheeky grin while he rubbed soap between his chubby little hands, I thought, I'd sign it all away again just to be known by this little guy as mommy. I think the real lesson from that video is have your kids go to the bathroom with their fathers. <laughs> um, the third point I wanted to talk to you about is, the second one we said was a teaching opportunity, but the third one is actually that their time with us is a learning experience for us. Not only are we teaching them, but they are helping us. Every moment is just so special because there's things that happen, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But in Galatians 5.22, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and how the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Our children will develop these gifts by watching us, but also God's going to develop those gifts in us by the way that we handle the things in life. For instance, the joy that we have when they're born, the joy that we have when they say our name for the first time, the love that they show us. Like our, all of our grandkids did the same thing. They would say, I hold you and they'd put their hands up, and they would want you to pick them up. That just gave us so much joy and showed so much love. But there's also the gifts of the Spirit that we can learn from, like peace. Sitting next to a child who is ill, our granddaughter Maddie at one point, she had um, some issues that she had to go to Riley for, and she ended up having to have surgery. And she was in so much pain, she would cry, and they would try to give her prescriptions and different things to try to help the pain, but she just never seemed to be able to ease up until after her surgery. And that was just so painful for us to watch. But that's where we can go to God and say, God, I need your peace, and let him allow us to have peace during those situations. And I know peace is very difficult for people who've lost their children especially during Mother's Day. And they have to keep going back to God to ask for more peace. My sister, I called and talked to her yesterday, and she lost her son at 20 years old, nine years ago, in a drowning accident. And so I asked her, I said, so what, 
would be the best thing for us to do to help you. And she said the, bi the, the biggest worry for her is that people will forget him. And she said the best thing for us to do is just to talk about them. They're, they, you know, they've, they're gone, but their life is still important. You know, they made a difference in so many people. So she said the best thing is just for people to talk to me about him and to ask me how I'm doing. Because even now, you know, Mother's Day is such a difficult day. She actually had the month of May, her son's birthday, her son's death, and Mother's Day all the same. So it's just a really difficult season. We learn patience from those children who continually do the wrong things, and we just keep correcting them, and they keep doing them over and over again. We learn generosity when we teach them how to give, and that first time they want to give something to someone else. We learn self-control. Our granddaughter was um, attacked at school last year, and um, there was a group of kids, there was probably about 13 or 14 of them, that came up with video cameras, and one girl walked up to her and used her fist and just started hitting her in the head. And they videotaped the whole thing. Well, as a grandmother, or as her mother, you want to go and you want to take care of that. That's where we learn that self-control, because they learn to watch us and see how we react to the things that happens to them in their own life. Um, but we need to make sure that as we're using those gifts, that we let the Holy Spirit lead us. So I just wanted to give you an example of, let's say we had a bowl, and it's all full of ingredients, just like the fruit of the Spirit. It's all those different gifts. But if we don't plug it in, it's in the mixer bowl. If we don't plug the mixer in, it's not going to do anything. It's just going to lay there. But if we plug ourselves into the Holy Spirit and allow him to use us, then those ingredients are going to be all mixed up, and we're going to get things that are going to rise, and we're going to have that aroma of Jesus. So it's just really important that we plug into the Holy Spirit and let him guide us in the things that we do. And the very last thing is that we need to pray for them and speak the word over them. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, In all things, through prayer and supplication. And then in John 10, 27, says, Lord, I pray that you will guide my children each day through your spirit. Sorry. When I was praying, trying to get ready for today, I'm a, I've got a very analytical mind. And I learn a lot through stories and through parables and I appreciate so much the way that Jesus taught through parables and so I was just praying about how I could, could share with you guys my heart on this issue and I went to get in the car one morning and I hadn't been in my car for a few days because I had been ill and I got in my car and I noticed my steering wheel had cobwebs all across it that there had been a spider there and as I looked at it, you know where there is spider web? There is a spider. So I was very distracted. I'm thinking, okay, now where is it? And if I'd feel something on my leg, you know, I'd be doing this thing, you know, scared because I, you know, I don't like spiders. I don't know about all of you guys. But I just felt like the enemy is like that spider. And he wants to distract us with the webs that he's spinning instead of us seeing the real issue. But in this case, 
the issue is that the enemy wants to silence our children. This generation is so important. They, they are going through things that we could never, ever think. And so it's so important that we pray for them. He does this. The enemy does this by causing us to try to be distracted by all the things the world tells us that we need to be distracted from instead of praying for our children. Um, he, he causes them doubt, especially in their identity. Their identity is just being attacked so much. He hides in wait why we get so caught up in what's going on around us that we don't take the time to pray over them and to help them. We get busy. He causes fear in us because of what the world tells us that we do nothing because we're scared of whatever the repercussions might be. But I want to challenge you to recognize the battle that we need to cover our family in prayer. And not only do we need to cover our family in prayer, we need to every morning put on our new clothes. We need to put on that armor of God. You know, it's like when you go to bed at night and you're stinky and you take a shower and you put your pajamas on and then you get up the next morning and you put on new clothes. We need to do that in our spiritual life. We need to be putting on our spiritual clothes every morning, praying for our children. And can I tell you, if you look around, we have an army. You know, we have, a, we have an army when we stand together. And it's a lot easier to do stuff when we stand together. So I encourage you, if you have issues going on at home with children or grandchildren, or find someone to pray with. Find someone to help lift them up to you. And just continue to pray each and every day for your children. Thanks. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Dear Father, we're so thankful that the way you love us, that you delight in us, the creator of the earth delights in us. You care about every single detail of our lives, Lord. I want to lift up my talk to you today. Help us to hear what you have for us. Let my words be your words. We ask for a fresh anointing on us, Lord, as we parent our kids. And I ask for a fresh anointing on all of us in whatever we're called to do. Hope guide us, Lord. We don't want to go anywhere that you don't want us to be. Continue to use me, Lord, for your greater purpose. That is my heartfelt prayer. Amen. All right, so I'm going to talk to you today about shaping Christ-like character in the family. Ruth Graham wrote, It's up to us mothers and fathers to teach our children how to behave and what to believe. We've got to let them know that God loves them and is with them day by day. They need to hear from their mother and father that God cares so much for them that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to die in their place. We've got to let them know that they can call on God anytime. They need to know that God is faithful, and he is sovereign, and he is always present. Though the world looks like it's a great big mess, God is still on his throne, and the Bible is our one true, sure guide. So I divided my uh, talk today in um, two sections. So I want to talk a little about, about my mom and give honor on Mother's Day for helping shape me. And then um, the second part's about raising our kids, fostering Christ-like character. Uh, I don't remember a day that I, 
that I accepted Jesus into my heart. Um, I don't really remember a time without knowing Jesus. My grandmother and my mother were strong believers. My mom took us to church ever since I remember. My dad never went, and I have two older sisters about 15 years older, and then my brother's five years older. There was a lot of turmoil in my house growing up. My dad was an alcoholic. He was the nicest, funniest person, very charismatic, and he never met a stranger. In five minutes, he could turn the sourest person into his best buddy. I would watch him, and he could always read people and know exactly what to say to make people feel at ease. That's how the mornings were, but by the afternoon and evenings, alcohol turned to mean. I mention this to you just so you know a little of my background. In spite of our family situation, God has always been faithful, and he has continued to answer prayers. Later in my life, my dad did give his life to Christ. We developed a new relationship, and he's in heaven now, so praise God. Um, so my mom, she was a resilient woman. She was the sweetest lady. And when I think of my mom, I would characterize her as um, super intelligent, humble, compassionate. She's quiet, and I, I think of her as being very meek. And when I, when I say meek, it just kind of means gentle, humble, kind of lowly. The meek are the gentle, those who assert themselves, th those who do not assert themselves over others in order to further their own agendas and their own strength, but will nonetheless inherit the earth because they trust in God to direct the outcome of events. Meek people don't envy, don't retaliate, and they exercise patience in the face of adversity. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So my mom prayed all of the time. She would tuck us in a night and pray for my dad. She would explain how al alcoholism was a disease and that we needed to pray for him to change, and then she would cover us in prayer. She modeled praying. She took us to church and church functions and vacation Bible school and Sunday school, and it was super important that we were consistently going to church. My dad would come home drunk and yell at her and belittle her, but she would never argue back or retaliate, and I would just be so angry and wonder, why wasn't she yelling back? But later I realized that if she did, the situation would have escalated and become much worse. My, mo my mom modeled strength of character, meekness, she also modeled hard work. Because of my dad's alcoholism, we needed a steady income. My mom took classes at the local college and started working as a bookkeeper. I couldn't be left at home alone, so I would spend my days at grandma's, thank God for grandma's, while my mom went to work. My mom also bought some old apartments to rent. I would spend most of my weekends cleaning the apartments. We would paint and fix and get them ready for the new tenants. Since they were lower-income apartments, there was always a lot of turnover and thus a lot of repair to be done. We also had a large garden. Every year we planted, which always needed to be weeded. We raised farm animals, caring for them, butchering them for food. There was always a lot of work to do. My mom modeled a servant attitude and compassion for others. My mom modeled being a good steward with her resources. She was very, very thrifty, yet gave generously with her time and resources. We wore a lot of hand-me-downs. We would go garage sailing, which I loved. We would dumpster dive for treasures. For her tenants, she was always taking clothing over, household items, offering support, talking to them, even occasionally letting them skip a rent payment. She was compassionate, and nobody was beneath her, and she gave value to others. She was a faithful tither. She lived simply and frugally. She was smart with her money, and when she passed away, little did I know she had been planning and investing her money so the kids would have a financial inheritance. I think we received much more than a financial inheritance from her. 
In fact, when I received a check after she passed, I really, I just drove up to the ATM to put it in and I just sat there and just crying, um, just completely humbled how this amazing woman had sacrificed so much and lived so meagerly so we would be covered. My mom died in, in June of um, 2017 and she was 80 years old. She had dementia and Parkinson's which eventually took her life. She was a true believer in word and deed and is now in heaven. So hallelujah. Yeah. She played a huge part in who I am today. She was a very resilient, beautiful woman. So for my family, I want to leave a godly legacy. I'm continuing trying to model godly character through my actions and words. God has entrusted me with raising his children. He picked me out to be their parent. I take this job super seriously, and I'm truly humbled that he trusts me to impart his word and love onto them. Deuteronomy 6, 5, 9 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are upon your hearts, or that I give you today are upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Sorry about that. First and most importantly, I want my kids to love the Lord and have a relationship with Jesus. I want them to have a heart of gratitude, servant hearts, have humility, a good work ethic, be good stewards of their money and resources, and have a heart for others where they truly see people and offer help where needed and are kind in their speech and actions. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it. So I'm going to share a couple of things that Sean and I have done in our home that will help encourage you and help you as you're in your parenting journey. And then for people that like pull up bullet points, I don't have a, one of those, so yeah, i just tell you. Number one, <laughs> pray with your kids. Tuck them in at night and pray over them and pray with them about everything and anything. I've done this since they were babies, and they still like me doing it as growing kids. If they have spri- f- friends spend the night, I still pray with them and over them and, and their friends as well. Their friends love it, and I know that makes them feel safe and secure. Sometimes my kids spend the night at a friend's house, and I'll ask them, did the parents tuck you in? Did they pray? And sometimes they say yes, and sometimes they say no. But then my kids will say, if they say no, they'll like, that's okay, Mom, we still prayed by myself. I'm like, perfect. Um, Pray throughout the day for them. Pray before meals. When they come to talk to you about a situation or problem, stop and pray with them. I had the blessing of driving them to and from school, and it was a cherished time to be able to spend with the kids and connect with them. So before going to school, I pray with it before dropping them off because it kind of sets the whole tone and atmosphere for the day. If their friends ride in the car with us, we would pray with them as well. I take Melissa's daughter to school in the mornings, and we pray together in the car before we get there, and the kids just look forward to it, and they'll, they'll remind me if I start getting close to school, we haven't prayed yet. Sometimes they'll ask if they can pray, and I'm like, awesome, yes, pray. Um, and I pray in my classroom at the start of my day with my students and then also one-on-one throughout the day if the students have needs or problems. So number two, <laughs> pray over your home. Something that I have been doing regularly is walking around the perimeter of our property and praying protection over our home. I stand at the in- entrance of our driveway and pray that all who come to our home and property feel God's presence there. That when people come to our home, they see Jesus in our words and actions that people are drawn to our home and family. I pray that our house would be hidden from those who might desire to do harm. 
And then I go through and anoint the doorways of our house and our bedroom occasionally. And more often, if I feel like there's a battle going on in one of the kids' lives or mine or Sean's. And I invite God's presence to fill every inch of our house. We invite God to live with us. My kids hear me pray that all the time. Think about your house right now. What's the atmosphere like inside? Do you feel God's presence there? Is it one of chaos and fighting and anxiety? Is it heavy? Invite the Holy Spirit in. Cast those spirits out that are not from God, in Jesus' name. God is the God of peace and order, not chaos and division. So be aware of what the feeling is in your home. I was asking Olivia and Casey about things they love that help shape their character, and they said that they love that there wasn't fighting and yelling in our house. We do have disagreements in our home, but we, it doesn't escalate to yelling. One of the qualities that drew me to Sean was how patient, loving, and calm he was, or is. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> so recognize what the feeling is in your home. Your kids are watching and listening to you. When I grew up, we didn't take uh, vacations. My family never went on vacations, but my aunt and uncle, they raced Corvettes and belonged to a Corvette club. They would travel to conventions and need someone to watch their kids on the trip, so I w they would take me along. Now I was probably about 12 years old. I remember hearing my aunt and uncle talk in the RV as we were going down the road, and the conversation went something like this. Hey, Bobby, would you mind over if we pull over the next exit? Because I really need to use the restroom. Sure, Royce, we can do that. No problem. Great, thanks. And then she'd go to the restroom, get back in the RV. Thanks for, so much for stopping for me. I really appreciate it. Oh, sure, no problem. I just sat and watched them communicate so kindly and appreciative of each other. And I told myself, I want that. That's how I want my marriage to be. They were communicating without arguing, and they were doing it lovingly and joyfully. Uh, number three, put scriptures around your home. On my, um, I have scriptures on refrigerator, bathrooms, kitchens, mirrors, walls. I have uh, like A to Z verses written on poster boards in the bathroom. I play praise and worship music most of the time if I'm listening to music. Um, we read the Bible together during COVID. It was great because the kids were home and we would sit down and read the Bible every day as a family. And we haven't done that lately, but I really want to get back to doing that. Um, God's word is life-changing and it's living, the living word. So I teach a, a art at Livingstone Homeschool Academy. And I think, I don't know if you remember Pastor Owen's sermon a while back. He said that reading the Bible, I think it was like 12 minutes a day for eight weeks, something like that, um, rewired your brain. So last year, God placed a group of teenagers at the school in my heart. And I presented them with a challenge to be in the word every day for eight weeks. Um, 12 minutes a day at least, and then I gave him a prize for completing it. Um, I was thinking here at church it would be cool to do that with church, so maybe we can have everyone who wants to participate, like sign up, um, commit to having their whole family read the Bible every day for eight weeks, and it could just be like two people in your family or six or however many are in your family. Then everyone who completes the go would have their name put in a drawing, and then I can paint a picture for their family. Would that be cool? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, of course, we can have a couple of grace days built in because life happens and, you know, um, that's okay. And then, you know, we have uh, Bible apps now. We can listen to the Bible on the phone, so it shouldn't be that hard to complete. Um, and that would be awesome. At home, we have Christian reading material all over, magazines. Um, there's a good one for girls called Brio Magazine. Um, that's awesome, awesome resource. Number four, be purposeful in promoting others. I want my kids to have a heart for others. I want them to, like, see people, to offer help where needed. 
to offer kindness in their words um, and their actions. This fosters a heart of gratitude because we put the focus off of us and onto others. So some ideas that, I've, that we've done with our kids to foster a servant heart is um, you know, going along the roadside picking up trash, volunteering at uh, homeless dinners. We help, and help set up and tear down for all types of different events. Um, getting a newspaper and mail for our elderly neighbors every day, and then we, we would visit with them. Shoveling snow, mowing the lawn for our neighbors. Um, so we've started doing every year a neighborhood Easter egg hunt in our house. And so we fill eggs with scriptures and candy and then put up signs. And then when the neighbors walk through the neighborhood, then they can go ahead and pick up an egg and, or a couple and um, enjoy that. And then um, the year that COVID hit, we were brainstorming, like, what can we do uh, for Easter? So Olivia had found how to do Ukrainian eggs. So our family sat and did like 30-some Ukrainian eggs. And then we put them in a little Ziploc bag with scriptures um, and a letter letting their neighbors that we were praying for them. Then we went out Easter morning and we, you know, prayed over their houses before we went and left them on their doorstep. Uh, one year during Christmas season, we brought, bought like the dollar store toys and we just wrapped them up. And um, people came in and out of Walmart. We would go give their kids like a wrap toy if it was okay with their parents. Um, a couple months ago, Lily and I just sat in the car and she had a big pad of sticky notes and um, we went to a local store, and we just started writing encouraging notes on the, on the sticky notes. And then we put them all throughout this department store, all over. And it had Bible verses or, like, you know, encouraging things. And so we got them all done, and we're walking out, and we see the couple employees. And we prayed before we went in that they would end up in the hands of who needed them. And so we, we came out, or we were getting ready to leave the store, and we're walking out, and we see, like, two employees with, like, I don't know, handful of sticky notes, and we're like, do 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 do, and uh, and you know, and I was first I was like, oh, I can't believe they they found them right away, and they pulled them off the shelves, um, but then I thought, well, this is pretty awesome because maybe they were talking amongst themselves about it, and then maybe they're going to take it to management or the break room, and awesome, right? Yeah. So, um, and then we also often leave notes of encouragement on our friends' car windows and uh, with window markers. Um, or our neighbor's house, who put them on, like, happy birthday, and this is to our, one of our neighbors. Um, and she left it on forever because, you know, it's just encouraging to them. So those are a few ways that you can just reach out and be kind of people-minded thinking, thinking about others. I think for UPS drivers and stuff, I think we had during Christmas time a thing where they can come up and get free snacks when they drop stuff off at our house. Number five, visibly let the kids know that they are loved and valued. First Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just, in fact, as you are doing. So ever since the kids were little, I was very intentional in communicating with them with words. For example, like, Lily was a baby, and Olivia was, like, two years old. She's a toddler. And so maybe I just got done feeding um, the baby, and, you know, the, the toddler's waiting around for me. And then I would purposely say out loud, like, you know, if, if the baby started crying again, I'm like, oh, no, you have to wait. You know, it's Olivia's turn now. I'm going to sit here and read a book with Olivia because she was patient waiting on you. I mean, of course, the baby has no idea what's going on. But to verbally say it out loud, it gave value to Olivia um, that, oh, yeah, like, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry that you're crying. I know. You're just going to have to wait while we're, until we finish up. Um, so I was very intentional, intentional in communicating with them with words. I would praise and recognize for things that they did well and still do that. 
Like, oh, you were so helpful when you carried in the groceries for me. I really appreciate that help because it shows you care for me. Or, oh, that was so thoughtful. You cleaned up that box of noodles that spilled on the floor. And I wasn't even around. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and I just do that all the time. And I think that's so encouraging to do that to your kids and just speak life over them. Um, Proverbs 26, 20, 20, Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet and delightful to the soul and healing to the body. Uh, number six, model how to be a good friend. My kids watch how I interact with people and friends. My friends know 100% without a doubt that I love them because I tell them all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, um, but I show it in my actions as well. I try to serve the them the best I know how, encouraging them, helping them with projects, giving them notes, spending time with them, praying with them and for them, reaching out to them, checking on them, um, and, and always trying to think of ways how to encourage and bless them. And it's important to have Christian friends for support, people you can trust to help you, give you godly advice, lend a listening ear, pray with you, and point you to Jesus. Friends are family. They pour into my kids, kids and I do the same for them. Sometimes kids are more open to hearing advice not from mom and dad, but from others. So make sure your friends are people of character who you would trust to do that. The saying, it takes a village, is true. Number seven, teach your children the value of hard work. Remember that you're pleasing God, not man. Therefore, teach them to work as if they're working for the Lord. Number eight, be involved in your kids' lives. Join the PTO, volunteer at their events. My kids loved having me up at their schools. Um... And it's a great way to be a witness to the other kids. Um, it gives you a good platform um, to show God's love for others. Have fun with your kids. Be silly. Be impromptu. We're created in God's image. He gave us a sense of humor, and he gave us laughter. So don't be a boring Christian, because that doesn't draw anybody into the faith. Let's, <laughs> let Jesus' light shine through you. Let his joy come out. Number nine, have your kids involved in Christian clubs, youth groups, schools. Um, Sean Knight. Um, thought it was really important to send our kids to a Christian school, so they went to Lafayette Christian School first, and then junior high and high school, they went to the local high schools, but then we pulled them out, and now they're in Livingstone, the, the last two. Um, your kids receive a strong foundation if they're hearing about Jesus at home, at church, and at school, so it's like a, a stool with three, um, uh, with three legs. It's solid, and I know like with uh, Lafayette Christian School and some other ones, they have voucher programs, so that would help like, if it's like a financial issue as well. Uh, number 10, teach your children patriotism, to have pride in their country, because they're, they're not really going to get that at school, so you, need to, you have to instill that in them as well. Um, for many years, we've gone to the Veterans Home on Memorial Day, and we'll walk around the graveyard looking at the headstones and paying reverence to people that have fought for our freedom. And then we make sure we always have our flags hung out outside, and, and we've wrote letters to the veterans thanking them. Number 11, let your kids be bored. Boredom fosters creativity. All my kids are super creative. Some of it's probably inherited, but the other part is we never really had TV in the living room. We don't have TV in their, their bedrooms. Um, they were always bored, so they just created things and made things, and, and I think there's real value in that. Um, number 12, apologize to your kids when you mess up or fall short. So I'm not a perfect mother by any means, and I'm, I'm fla flawed and always growing, and my kids know I'm not perfect and they give me grace. Um, and then, just I wanted to wrap this up. Um, before I leave this section of fostering Christ-like character, I felt that I would be remiss if we didn't think about our own heart, hearts as parents. We cannot harbor unforgiveness. Um, 
Parents, unforgiveness makes it impossible for us parents to leave a godly legacy. According to the scriptures, there's no way a person can have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and still harbor unforgiveness. Forgiveness is more about freeing yourself than it is about freeing others. God's favor cannot flow freely and unimpended in your life if you remain stubborn and refuse to forgive those who have wounded or offended you. In fact, scientists now have determined that if a person harbors bitterness, chronic anger, or stubbornness, um, refusal to forgive, it's more corrosive and damaging to your physical health than cigarette smoking, obesity, and high-fat diet. And it stifles out our potential. It ties us up emotionally, stresses us out, and destroys our relationship with God, and therefore the godly legacy that we all want to leave. So ask God to search your heart and see if you need to forgive somebody. Um, just for the sake of time, I'm skipping this last section here. And it's <laughs> um, the very end here. Um, so uh, I asked my kids to tell me how they viewed my parenting, and they told me that they were glad that I never yelled at them but corrected them in a loving way. They said they would feel so convicted when they did something wrong and, and that they let me down that they would just go put themselves in timeout and cry. So <laughs> that's awesome. No, I mean... <laughs> um, and they also said that my kids, my kids said, we were just so thankful that you didn't hang around bad friends and that you don't drink, you don't curse, um, that you're always willing to spend time with us whenever they, they want to. And they like to see that I'm always helping others. And lastly, um, I just wanted to let you know, I don't know if you guys know that my husband works construction and he's all over the country. And most of the time he's been away when the kids have been growing up. Um, but Sean is an amazing husband, father, and very supportive of me. And he's given me the opportunity to stay home, um, and he sacrifices so much. But because he's away, I'm just so thankful that I can rely on God to supply my needs while raising my kids. God is my firm foundation, an ever-present help in trouble, and I talk to him all the time. He's my best friend. I rely on him for everything, his wisdom and his guidance. And the cool thing is God has let me, you know, all my kids go to church. They all have a relationship with Jesus. He's got me, you know, let me see the fruit of the labor and, uh, I'm just amazed. And they're, they're compassionate. They have a great heart for others. Um, yeah, so they're wonderful gifts to me. So that's, it's been a huge blessing watching them grow. Um, so women, you are important. We each can be a mom to someone in our sphere of influence. God needs us to rise up and use our voices. We can't let the enemy destroy our destiny for fear of failure. That's why I'm here today. We have to be open to God using us. We have to let go of the fear of man and what others think. For you were created at this moment for such a time as this, and I believe in you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to stand with us, and I'm going to ask all the moms to come forward. All the ladies, my wife said. All the ladies, come forward, please. We're going to close in prayer over you. to just work your way up, squeeze up here. Thank you, ladies, for sharing, Brenda and Stacy. That was powerful. Squeeze up here. Don't forget at the door, there'll be a gift for you as you go. You can sign up for the Ark Encounter. But I want to pray for you, and then as I finish up, they're going to play a song. I just want you to stand here and listen to the words about being a warrior. Being a warrior for Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for all these wonderful ladies, beautiful inside and out. Yes, we all have flaws, but God, you see us through the eyes of your love. 
I pray your blessing upon them, those that have been wounded and hurt. I pray, God, they hand that to you. You wrap your arms around them. Those that have faced rejection, even allowing the world to tear them down, build them up today. Hopefully, they can say, God, with you, all things are possible. And I can become the woman of God you want me to be. And each and every day, even if I fail, you're still there to pick me up and love on me. So I just pray a blessing over each one of them and those watching by live stream. And we're just thanking you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Help us to make a difference in our sphere of influence of those around us. In Jesus' name. Guys, if you'll play that song, I just want you to stand here, ladies, with your eyes closed. Or she is a warrior, a warrior. Ain't nothing gonna slow her down. She Gotta get up and go, no matter the road. Gotta keep your head held high. Gotta keep on praying, keep on slaying. Gotta keep that pretty smile. But she's ready to battle, ready to battle. Gonna take that enemy down. She fears no evil and holding her ground. She is a When you face trials, he's with you. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face 